What up, 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 what up. How's everybody doing this beautiful morning? It is Friday, May 19th. Man, this year's going quick. We are live and in person. I got my co-pilot with me, Marcus Watts. What's going on, my brother? How we living this morning? I'm doing good, man. I, I now have to ensure that I come with the new hat every time because as we were looking back at some of the video clips, because, you know, we're about to start doing some stuff with video content. I was like, this guy's really like, really like planting himself as the official hat king. And I just I have to stand up for myself. Shoes and hats. Those are the two things that I have more of than anything else. Jerseys, too. Well, I got jerseys, too. You're right. You're right. Well, how many jerseys do you have again? I'm in double digits. <sighs> Veteran hats. I'm getting into the. I might be getting fifty. Nah, you sent me a. You sent me a picture of that. Yeah, <laughs> you sent me. Might, you sent me a picture of that. Before. I'm deep into the double digits with hats, shoes. I'm probably right about ten, but they're all fresh. I keep them clean though. Keep them clean though. Today I got on my uh, black and white Boston Celtics. For those of you that don't know. You know, I got to get my Celtics plug in, Marcus. It wouldn't be wouldn't be a Grateful Eight show unless I brought up the Boston Celtics. It, it wouldn't. You're right. So, do you want to? You want to? How are you feeling right nope, now? I don't. Nope. Okay. Nope. Right. I don't want to okay. talk about it. So, Marcus, tell tell me more about. Uh, <laughs> so, sound like you had an interesting morning with uh, Mr. Caesar, your dog. What kind of dog is he yeah. again, bro? So Caesar is a uh, Belgian Malinois. Uh, he is like a. It's like the cousin to the German shepherd pretty much a little bit smaller, a little more compact, uh, a little more agile though. Doesn't get up. Doesn't give up any, uh, jaw strength. Got you. What was he doing this morning? You said he, you said he was on something different today. What was going on? Yes, bro. So, all right. So let me tell you the story. I'm on a, so I'm over at Kylie's cause normally on Tuesdays and Thursday nights, I, I I'm over at Kylie's because it's a little shorter of a drive coming from AU practice then going all the way back to my place which is downtown she lives in a place called Carrollton. so i'm on a call this morning just you know real serene doing my thing sipping some coffee speaking to a client and i'm looking outside the window and i'm seeing caesar just in an area he shouldn't be in so let me give you some backstory kylie's like really into like doing stuff outdoors and you know she's real big she has like a really great green thumb she got me into plants um, I was heartbroken when I had to leave a couple of my plants in Florida because I couldn't transport them. I left them with the best friends, so they're in good hands. But we've been growing all type of stuff, bro, like um, mint and, I mean, a, a bunch of, like, other spices and arugula, cabbage, tomatoes. Just stuff is growing. And, it, and it's, what's funny is, like, when you grow your own stuff, it tastes so different. And, it, and it's super fresh. The stuff lasts a long time. So, anyways. I'm looking outside and the way I'm like on my call with coffee in, you know, looking out the window, just enjoying the beautiful view talking. I'm like, he looks like he's about to try to piss on that shit. And we have like a thing blocking him. <laughs> so he can't really piss on it. Cause, and that was my first fear. I was like, man, this stuff is down on the ground. You know, Caesar might, you know, just so anyways, he starts to lift his, his leg, bro. And so I, I'm on a call talking so I can't like yell, but I have my AirPods in. So, you know, it's going to, I start banging on the window and he gets kind of like startled. You know what I mean? He's trying to figure out where it's coming from and he kind of moves and walks away. And I'm like, okay. 
bro, 30 seconds later, I see him pissing right next to that shit. I started losing my mind. I can't do anything. I'm trying to stay professional while I'm on this call with a cup of coffee in my head. And it's the point where I'm just looking out the window. There's nothing I can do. I'm like, yo, listen, this is the circle of life at this point. And uh, we're just going to need to rinse these things off really well. Bro, just wait till you have kids and your dogs. Try that's what I was going to say. Your dogs try to mark their territory on the kids and stuff. That's when that's when the real panic Stop sets it, in. Bro. Oh, yeah. How fast did you move or how yell did you loud? Did you, how loud did you yell? No. <laughs> bro, with my two dogs. So I used to have two dogs. I only have one now, but they're full grown males. So you know how it is. Once they start, there ain't no stopping. And so basically, yeah. basically those uh, toys or things RIP real quick. But it's actually very common because, you know, the babies have a specific smell and the dogs uh, are right. trying to adapt to that. So. Uh, yeah, between the kid toys and then every once in a while, if they're going through a little episode of like marking their territory, which doesn't happen very often, uh, Loki is my pit bull. He doesn't do it very often, but every once in a blue moon, Loki. he will uh, even he'll even sometimes try to mark up my I have sweatshirts on the bottom of my closet. And every once in a while, he'll I don't know if he smells the kids or if he doesn't like the smell of me, but every once in a while, he'll try to mark that up. So. What I'm trying to say, bro, is you should be happy that your dog's only touching plants and not touching <laughs> right, not things sure. that your kids will put in their mouths or play on. Like we got a slide. We have a place set out back and there's a slide. I swear that's like his that's his go to between the slide and the swings right underneath it, bro. He drops his deuces. He lets it rip. I'm like, bro, come on. Like my girls play on this. What are we doing, bro? But, you know. Dogs don't care, bro. Let's. They don't care. You unlocked a core memory for me, actually. Oh, here we so, go. So, I saw I saw a video of you. I think this was earlier on, kind of when you started like playing around with making content of you on a longboard or skateboard, and Loki was pulling you. It was very chill, very relaxed. And at that time, Caesar was really small. That's how you know how long ago this was. Yep. Caesar was really small. He like wasn't even a year old. And I was like struggling to find a way for him to really get good exercise in. And because he just, it was ever never ending. Like, like he had to go to the park three times a day. I could not get the energy out of him. That's what, you know, they literally call him, you know, like, like Maligators. <laughs> they refer to him as like Raptors. They're just terrors. Right. So I got a longboard, a real nice one. And it was like, bro, it almost brought like a tear to my eye. When he found a straightaway, he ran so hard. And, bro, it made me, like, feel bad because I said, damn, he hasn't been able to run like this, like, ever. Because in Florida, it's kind of hard to find places to really run your dog. So the places I was, I wasn't really supposed to be. And I was really risking it, bro. Look, I clocked him one time on the back of three miles. 24 miles an hour pulling me at like 240 on a longboard. I was like, I took a couple falls, but I was, I was good most of the time, but you, you started that. And that was a huge part of me and Caesar building a much deeper relationship because when he saw that longboard come out, boy, let me tell you what. So thank you for that. Thank you. bro. I had Loki trained up. We did that for 
I'm going to say weeks. We didn't do it for months. We did it for weeks. And then uh, my man was cooking one time and he cut me off and I flipped over, got full road rash on my forearm, a little bit on my shoulder. One on time my I've been there. I was like, all right, yeah. hey, we ain't doing this ever again. I'm good. I know you love it, but yeah. the risk reward is just not there. So we're going to find something else to do. Yeah. Luckily, before that major fall happened for me, we had made it to like the five year or six year mark. So when I threw it in, he had we'd had a nice run. <laughs> you know, and actually, it wasn't even his fault. It was a guy that was looking down. We were on a sidewalk and this guy was looking down while he was running. And he had headphones in. So I'd been calling him from a while. I couldn't see. It looked like he was looking at me, but he really wasn't. He was looking down. And as we got closer, I kept saying, heads up, heads up, heads up. And he was veering into our part of the sidewalk. Mm. And basically, we had not a head-on collision, but I had to ditch before we got close to him and just let Caesar go. That was the end of that. <laughs> what does Caesar weigh? How much does he weigh? Uh, he's about, he ranges between about like 72, 73 to about like 76, 70, 75. He kind of goes up and down with how much we exercise. So, but he's solid. Loki's a full hundred. Yeah. That's a, it's a big boy. So when he changes directions, I ain't got no choice. <laughs> right, right. Right. And he was running alongside of me and out of nowhere, bro, just cut right in front of me. I hit that thing like a curb mm. went flying forward. He yelped. I tumbled. I got up. I had blood all over my arm, on my cheek, on my shoulder. I said, hey, bro, we ain't doing this ever again. You just you just ruined yeah. it for everybody, bro. Sitting there with his tongue out, smiling. He's all happy. I'm like, nope, we, we done, bro. Yeah, you're like, bro, I'm dying. Yeah, bro, that's where I'll, I will say um, football comes in handy. Because learning how to fall, if I hadn't learned how to fall all those years playing football and even in basketball, but mostly football, because, you know, the cool thing is I, I think you start to reach a certain level in football. You start to feel when you take a hit, you eat it, you roll, and then you just pop up. That's like when you start to reach like another level of, you know what I'm saying, football. You know what I'm talking about. I was just going to say I landed on my feet. That was the craziest <laughs> part is I, I, yeah. I basically tripped over him, skidded on my face, shoulder, arm, Tumble. did a tumble. And the next thing I knew, I was right up on my feet, still holding on to his leash. I never let go of his leash the whole time. Damn. No, nah, that, nah, that's, that's legendary. <laughs> at that time, just your Hall of Fame, just throw it in. Yeah. All right, Marcus. So you know how we get down on the show. We talk about sports, family, culture, business, entertainment, relationships, growth, and fitness. And today we are going to talk about entertainment. The most trending topic today on this Friday morning is the release. I don't know if you call it re-release. We'll say a, the, the release of the reboot. Of white man can't jump. It's been highly anticipated by myself, and I know you as well have been looking forward to this movie. So let's just—I'm gonna give it to you, man. Tell me everything you know about white man can't jump. Give me a little breakdown of uh, people that maybe aren't familiar with the movie. Yeah, so white man can't jump is uh, a movie that I remember from when I was a kid. My dad, you know, at that time was kind of. He was like so cool to me. You know what I mean? He had oh, another reason I wear hats, bro, is my dad wore so many hats. I thought it was like, I thought he was so cool, man. Um, He was very much into, the, you know, the cross colors and 90s, you know, you know, uh, apparel. 
and this movie came out during that time. So it's it's basically a story about two guys that meet. They're on the Venice, California basketball scene, street ball. And one of the guys is white. Uh, the other guy is black. And they start out kind of as, I don't want to say enemies, kind of like frenemies. You know what I mean? And then basically, you know, moral of the story, they end up finding ways to come together, playing basketball, kind of running game on people, you know, because this is the competitive, you know, betting basketball scene, which exists in pretty much everything from AAU to Pop Warner still today. It's a, it's a very common part of sports all the way to street ball. Um, yeah, it's just a very heartwarming story. It's one of my favorite movies from when I was a kid. And um, I'm really excited to see Shout out to my dog, Duke Skywalker, who is um, one of the Ball is Life guys, Ball is Life East Coast, who is featured in this movie. He's been doing big things for a while, and I love seeing all the things that those guys are doing. But uh, tell me a little bit about it from, like, your point of view, especially with, you know, the one of the heroes of this movie kind of breaking a major stigma, and, and you can talk more about that. You know – when it comes to certain movies, there's this characters that they will always be that character. So with Woody Harrelson, no matter what movie he's been in since this movie, I always think of him as, as Billy Hoyle. Like he's just, he's just Billy, Billy Hoyle. Hoyle playing these characters and all these other movies, even like, um, what is it? Hunger games. Even when he's hunger games, I'm like, that's, that's, that's Billy Hoyle trying to tell these kids what to do and how to, how to work the scheme. So uh, the cool thing about that, like I said, is, is it's just a very impactful character with Wesley Snipes. We touched on it, I think in a previous episode and maybe an unreleased episode about just the level of actor that man is, as far as the Marvel universe, we touched on that a little bit. Like he was that dude, especially during this time. And then, you know, you just look a little more down, the list as far as, you know, what it did for somebody like Rosie Perez and kind of put her on the map as far as the female character, which they actually, <clears throat> I shared a link with you earlier today, but they talked about how they actually wanted that to be a white girl, but then they brought her in to do a test read and, and decided to go with the Spanish girl instead. And I think that just helped impact the whole movie's flow and the way that, you know, yeah. Billy Hoyle can culture. kind of communicate with the culture and how he, how he adapted to it. So, um, we have a couple different topics we're going to rip through about this movie. So um, we're just going to kind of go through it somewhat of an, of an outline and then we'll have some conversation around it. But one of them um, to get it started here is just some of the major comparisons of the original and the remake. Um, as you're looking at the, you know, the IMDB, they switched up the character name. So we no longer have Sydney and Bo and Billy. Um, they switch it to Kamal and Jeremy. So, I, th I think that's a little weird. I actually kind of like it when they keep the OG names just because it, it brings a little more nostalgia to it as far as like, oh, that's exactly who this person's playing. But at the same time, it is a different movie. So I don't hate the idea of, you know, giving them different character names. Um, do you have any thoughts uh, with that slight change that they did there at the beginning? Yeah, I agree with you. It's like you would love for people to be exposed to two white men can't jump in the same way that you experienced it with everything that's happening currently and what you see with universes of different, you know, things in pop culture, whether it's star Wars or um, Marvel or DC, I see why they do it because it leaves open the opportunity 
for those two to show up and come back as people in that universe and potentially create spinoffs where maybe you find out that, you know, cause I, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I can't wait to come back and give a review on it, but it gives a chance for them to say maybe one of these guys, if not both are actually their sons or they play against right. one of their sons. Or at the end of the movie, there's two guys that are like waiting and are, you know, after they win the championship, they're like, Hey, we got next. And then it's like, you know, you realize, wait a minute, these guys look kind of familiar. So Wesley Snipes, old ass state of the raid. Kane ready to hoop. Yeah. It's like, Hey, it's like you reached the final boss or some shit. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I think it's very interesting. Uh, I, I trust them to do well with this, with this story. I don't think that they would have, I don't think that with the, you know, 30 years later, the impact that this had, because this movie came out at a time when, you know, you weren't seeing the stories being told in this aspect. I think it was, you know, one of those, uh, ones that kind of set the table. One of the things I noticed too, and I don't know if you remember, do you know how much money they were playing for in the, in the finale? I don't, was it like, maybe like 10 grand or something like that? Maybe. I think it was like five or 10 grand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Five or 10 grand. If anything, it really opened my eyes to inflation. Cause I'm pretty sure this movie they're playing for 500 grand. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny how, cause I know there was a clip I watched earlier today um, of the older movie and he was like, I need this $5,000. And mm-hmm. then you watch the, the new previews. Cause I haven't seen the new movie yet either, but they were talking about how it's 500 K on the line. Damn. Yeah, and so, right. If anything, if anything, that inflation, <laughs> that inflation and uh, the basketball community clearly has more money than uh, it used to back in the day. Um, yeah, I'll be curious to see uh, how Jack Harlow handles the Woody Harrelson role. As I just mentioned, you know, he was an iconic dude for me. Uh, just he just laid that character so smooth. You know, he played it perfectly. He even has like kind of a goofy white guy look to him. Um, which Jack Jack Harlow clearly does as well with his little Jufro that he's got yeah, going yeah. on and everything else. But um, I, I'll be interested to see if both those characters can can hold the weight of what Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson carried in that movie because they were so they are now especially such iconic characters um, and actors over this long period of time. Yeah, I agree, man. Do you mess with Jack Harlow at all? Do you listen to his music or anything? You know, I, I haven't listened to his newer stuff, but I did listen to him a bit more when he first came out. Definitely have an appreciation for like the hard work that he put in and what goes on behind the scenes to work with somebody like DJ Drama and be a smaller act in that camp, you know, and come. I just I love those things. I like to hear about people's work ethic. You know, you know, there was a time when he was talking about how he's, you know, how he stopped drinking, you know, because he's focusing on his craft. And I love watching the clips of, I think it was his first, what's it called? It was Coachella or the hip hop festival. And like nobody was there, you know, and then to be able to see then versus now. I just, you know me, I just love seeing people build and I love seeing people succeed. I root for everybody. So guys doing some really awesome stuff. And again, to come out of that camp, you know, DJ drama and, you know, coming from where he's from, I just feel like that's so awesome. Yeah. Once again, we're talking about casting choices. This is the second point on our list. I know I mentioned earlier that we're going to go through a list. So this is about the casting choice for Jack Harlow specifically. I've always kind of liked him. I have a soft spot for white rappers, not named MGK. So 
<clears throat> I was always vibing <laughs> with him. And I think once he uh, got on a track with Drake, that catapulted him to another level. So once you're on a, on a track with Drake one-on-one and it blew up the way it did, I think that catapulted him into another area. I will say, though, I do remember watching Jack in the celebrity basketball games. And my man, he, he didn't really look like he could hoop that well. He looked like a, a very generic rec baller at best. And so I'm really hoping that they, uh, you know, he has that song about Tyler Hero fixing his jumper. I, I really hope he fixed his jumper because he had a goofy looking jumper. <laughs> and I'm assuming they're not going to use it in the movie. So I'll be interested to see, see if, if, that. if Tyler Hero actually fixes his jumper. I, I, I would hope so. Just uh, as long as he's not taking any fashion sense from Tyler Hero, I think he'll be okay. Um, I think another character I'm interested to see is, is you know, we touched on Rosie Perez earlier. You know, she was such an iconic, you know, when I was a little kid. Like I was basically in elementary school when this movie came out. And it kind of just gave me a little soft spot for those, for those Latina girls. You know what I'm saying? So I would be curious to see, you know, how the female character, I believe – it's Tiana Taylor. I believe she's going to be the girlfriend in the movie. And I will be very, very curious to see if she holds the same weight uh, that Rosie Perez did. Did you did you have a little crush on Rosie Perez? Don't you lie, bro. I know you did. Come on. I think that anybody that saw White Man Can't Jump, you had to have a crush on Rosie Perez. <laughs> you know, they speak about the aspect that she brought to the movie And when you're talking about something that you really wanted to speak to the culture, you know, having, you know, a white main character, having a black main character. And then if you'll say she was like a supporting actress and probably the most support, most important supporting in that movie, you know, having someone represent, you know, the Latina community, I thought was like, I thought that that was amazing. And yes, definitely had a, had a crush on her. It was cool to see you know, in some of the recap videos and, you know, the look back videos um, that you had sent over, just how they all have such an appreciation for each other. Um, yeah, they, they did some really cool stuff. Loved her. One of the more iconic scenes will ever forever stick in my head is when they're laying in the bed and she's like talking about how she wants to drink a water or whatever. And she's like, no, I want you to want to get me a glass of water. He's like, I do want to get you a glass of water. She's like, no, no, no. I want you to want to want to do it. And he's like, what? And it was just so funny because I wasn't in a relationship at the time. But like seeing it now, it's like that was forecasting every relationship any man was ever going to have with a female when she's trying to explain that she wants something, but she wants you to want her to want it. And it's just like this never ending circle. And so that, that, uh, that dialogue back and forth. And you mentioned it. They said in some of the clips we were checking out this morning, how they really became best friends. So I thought that was really cool. And I'm excited to see what this current cast does. So our next point is modernizing the story, you know, talking about how the remake updated the, one of the things I mentioned obviously was the fact that inflation, the money is, is definitely a higher risk in this movie than it, (laughs) than it probably was back then. Um, Is there anything else that you saw maybe in the previews or, or that you remember from the past movie that is you're curious to see how they modernize that side of it. Yeah. I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with the representation of brands and the representation. And, and, and when I say that, I mean, in, in two aspects in the clothing culture and in the footwear culture, because obviously Jack Harlow is a new balance athlete. So this is why, 
you know, when you wonder like, oh, why do these companies do partnerships with, you know, people like this or whatever, things like this can happen with them. Um, I, I think Drake was one of, is one of the better examples. You saw it early on with like 50 Cent and Jay-Z, you know, DMX doing stuff with Reebok. But you see it more now with Drake and Nike and having that whole OVO series and same thing now. Now, uh, not the same thing, but th- this is a, a, a musician who's got a shoe deal and now he's going to be in a movie that's going to showcase shoes a lot. So obviously I'm looking forward to seeing what they kind of bring out. You know, it's so interesting because when you look back and you look at the clothes and stuff, some of that stuff is actually coming back around. I bought a pair of swim trunks like last summer, summer before last, and it was like cross color themed. And I just got them because I was like, yo, this is like 90s nostalgic. I can't tell you how many compliments people stopped me to ask me where I got those shorts. I was like, dang, Amazon. I was like, I might need to make some of these because Again, it carries a little weight. People recognize it as kind of nostalgic. So what about you? Are there any, remember, you, you remember it was a lot of Jordans. It was a lot of the Reebok pumps. It was so like, what shoes do you think might be in there or, or things kind of in that, in that lane? Yeah. I'll be curious to see what they do with that. I think that they could probably keep those older shoes that they mentioned in the movie and just like, cause you know, there's <clears throat> reboots of, of shoes as well. Like they bring back shoes after 10 years, after 20 years. So I think they could be bringing back some, some classic shoes. I think that'd be cool. You touched on it though, with the, the new balance, I'm sure Jack Harlow is going to be wearing some new balances, which actually fit the character. Perfect. Cause I feel like new balance is like an old white guy shoe. I feel like it fits, fits the script pretty well. Um, as far as the outfits and stuff go, you know, I always loved, you know, the, the goofy hats that they wore in the original one with the little flipped up bill and stuff like that. So I'm kind of hoping they bring something like that back. I did see that. Bring them back. I yeah. saw that Jack Harlow was I wearing, agree. you know, the multicolored shirt underneath with the, with the tank top on top that are two different colors and the short shorts. And so I think they're going to have some fun with that, that side of it and, and doing that. But I think also modernizing it, I'll be curious also to see how they bring in um, some of the social aspects. It's funny. You know, that movie was what, 30 years ago and think of all the stuff that that was happening then it's still happening now, bro. It's crazy. And so it's like, I know I'm a white guy that goes in hoops and immediately, you know, I I'll be honest. I fit the profile. I'm going to be sitting in the corner. I'm going to be waiting to shoot a three. That's what I do. But it's going to be funny to see how they address it now, 30 years later, you know, back then it was such a revolutionary movie that they were even touching on the topic to begin with where now this is a topic that's brought up, but it could be brought up in different lights and positive, negative, things like that. So I'll be curious how they handle those conversations around the white character and the black character and, you know, merging those two lifestyles. So another thing that we wanted to talk about was the nostalgia factor. We touched a little bit on it already with the shoes and potentially the clothes and stuff like that. How do you think the fans are going to react Uh, to the original movie in comparisons to the remake. Do you think that it's going to be well received? Do you think people are excited about this? Or do you think that there's a majority of people that are kind of in the boat of, no, that was a great movie. Don't touch it. Cause you know, there's, there's both cat, there's both categories of people when it comes to that. Uh, What do you think the overall based on what you can tell uh, response has been? Yeah, man, I think people are excited about the movie coming out to see how they're going to do it to see what, you know, if any, again, universe, they're going to now try to spark because I just anticipate them doing that. There's just way too much opportunity in tapping into fan bases. Now, you know, um, look at Maverick, 
same thing. I think what, 30 years, it might maybe a little, a little more 35 or 40 years later and completely, they did that one so, so well. That is really hard to do. I mean, they hit every aspect from the original movie plus added in a new layer and created opportunity now for the new universe. I don't think that's going to happen with this one, man. I think it's just too hard. I think it was too much lightning in a bottle. I think that people are going to critique it and just, it's not going to be able to compare. Now me and you, I feel like are kind of in the same boat to where it don't matter if it's not good or not. I'm still going to watch it. And I'm going to watch all the other stuff y'all put out around it because I am here not for the individual movie, but I am a white man can't jump fam. I am a Marvel fan. I am a DC fan. So you're going to catch me if it's trash or not. I'm going to continue to have that hope that you guys are going to bring it around and tell the story the right way, you know, and do the fans justice. So I'm going to support it just so I know what's going on, even if it's trash for three years, <laughs> you know, in, in hopes you guys find some Kevin Feige, you know what I'm saying, to come over and lead things. Example, DC. I mean, I really don't love any of the stuff that they've done, and I'm way more of a Marvel fan. But now James Gunn is there, and I do have faith that James Gunn can right the ship, you know, at least get it going in the right direction uh, with his experience from Marvel. So. Now you've got my attention. I'll make sure I'm catching up on all the old stuff. You know, I'll go on YouTube. I'll do my research, you know, then I'll show up to the movie ready. I'll watch all the, you know, recap videos afterwards. And, you know, I'll, I'll try to share it as much as I can because I want it to do well. I think that people are too hard on movies. And we've seen that now, especially with Marvel, especially uh, and some of these other movies that have been coming out recently. Creed, I think, was another one that people – it's like they don't have any anything else to do other than just tear them down and tear them apart. And so I like to think that I'm one that loves to just accept movies for what they are. We talked about Fast X a couple weeks ago, and that one's about to drop today, I think, as well. And it's like I'm going into that movie. And I know exactly what I'm getting, and I'm not going to expect anything revolutionary. I, I'm not going to expect something that isn't going to happen, so then I'm disappointed. Um, you know, I think we just have a tendency these days to just shred movies to to pieces. I don't think you knew this, but your boy was in a movie. Uh, my college that I was a part of, I got casted as um, an extra. I actually had like the, probably the third biggest role in the movie. It was a uh, movie that my university was putting on. One of my good friends, Jordan Thomas, was the main actor. And it was just basically like a college love story, you know, a guy meets girl type deal. And they needed a uh, best friend that was a comedic relief. And it, it's kind of funny because I, I look back at it now and I was kind of profiled to this position, similar to probably what Jack Harlow felt. But uh -huh. but he's like a radio DJ and he's like a white kid that tries to sell his demo tapes down in the hood. And I get jumped by a bunch of hood guys. <laughs> like, anyways, it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it was so much fun to make the movie, man. And and obviously it's a little little private NAI school. And so, you know, we didn't have this huge production budget or anything like that, but it was really fun. And, you know, I got to go to like a movie premiere and I was on a poster and, and all that stuff. So it was really cool. I actually think I'll have to dig and see if I can find uh, the trailer or something like that. So I can show you, but that is cool, um, bro. yeah. So, so I think we're just too hard on movies, man. And so when I look at, 
the nostalgia factor. I think people just need to go into it. You know, this is a Hulu movie. This isn't getting released on bigger platforms. Um, I think they need awesome. to go in, you know, just with a with the expectation of exactly what it's going to be, that it is a remake, that it's probably going to be corny, that this is Jack Harlow's first time acting, so it may get cringe at times. Um, they may miss some of the points. Like, you can't go in thinking, oh, they better bring Woody Harrelson back. Ooh, they better bring Wesley Snipes back, because then if it doesn't happen, then you get disappointed. You know what I'm saying? So I think if you just go in with a clear mind, that's going to be a fun movie. It's about hoops, and there's going to be some some good parts in it as far as comedic relief and hopefully some good basketball. I think you're really going to enjoy this movie. Um, so I look, I look forward to checking it out. Do you have anything else to add um, on the nostalgia factor before we get ready to move on? You know, I'll, I'll just add this. I think that you made a really good point. And the same thing goes for music. They're like, oh, we want the old this. We want the old yay. We want the old. I used to say this a lot of times, like um, like the old Rihanna, like re- how Rihanna's voice just changed. Not that I like it better, but if you notice the change that she went through with her sound, like she completely, her accent is almost completely removed from her music. And I thought that that was an interesting thing about her and being from, with my family being from the Caribbeans, I love, but I understand that that evolution is going to happen and it gives her a chance to reach more people. So like you said, it's like one, I think we're way too hard on artists and way too hard on movies, especially ones like this, just accept it at face value and going with an open mind to just enjoy the story. And like you said, it might be corny. It might be a little cringe at times. People said that about, I think people said that about sometimes about, uh, about Creed. And I was like, I just didn't see it. I, I thought it was an awesome movie, but I'm there for the story that is completely rooted and connected to Rocky and Apollo Creed. And because I really do enjoy it, I'm just open to anything that creates more opportunity for me to see my heroes. You know, so I agree. Go and go see it. Enjoy it. Take it for what it is. You know, come back. Let us know what you think. All right, this episode is brought to you by Under Armour. Introducing the unisex Curry Flow 10 Splash Party Basketball Shoes by Under Armour. Designed for agility, speed, and unmatched style. Featuring breakthrough flow technology, these shoes provide exceptional traction and grip, giving you the edge you need to dominate the game. Step up your game and make a splash with the Curry Flow 10 Splash Party Shoes. Available now at your nearest Under Armour shoe store or using the links in this show's detail. And now back to the show. All right, Marcus. So we've hit the introduction. We talked a little bit about what this movie's all about. We've talked about the comparison to the original and the remake. We've talked about casting choices. We've talked about modernizing the story and then also the nostalgia factor. Now we're going to start talking into the talk about the good stuff. And the first one here on this part two is the cultural impact. And I know that's something me and you talked a lot about. Uh, recently when we were just talking about movies in general and the cultural impact of some of these different movies. Uh, I'm just really excited to see. We, we kind of touched on a little bit of how the, how are they going to handle this race card? How are they going to handle um, some of the things that the first movie really carried in a heavy way as far as, you know, I mean, the movie's called White Man Can't Jump. <laughs> it can't get more uh, point blank with, exactly what they're trying to get at right out the gate. So when you think about the cultural impact of white man can't jump, um, do you, you know, did the original film contribute to discussions about race, sports, stereotypes? You know, how did you feel that movie provided um, some of the head on topics that were just mentioned? 
So it's interesting because, I mean, obviously I was a kid at that time when it came out and I'm watching it because my dad's watching it. And again, you know, he was Spike Lee movies, all those culture movies that, that touched our culture. We were, you know, we were going to watch them all. And a, a cool thing is that my dad was very explanatory with everything. So I, he would stop and ask me, yo, do you understand what they're talking about? Or if I laughed about something, he would, he would be, pause the movie and be like, yo, do you know, do you understand what does that mean? I remember. Do you know what you're example, laughing at? I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I don't remember when I got my first like explicit CD, but I remember my dad hearing me sing uh, DeLuna's I Got Five on it because it was on MTV. It was like on the radio everywhere. Even when, even though we're in Europe now, I'm in Europe. And uh, we're sitting there one day where I'm watching music and my dad's there and it comes on. I start singing it. He stops. He's like, hey, do you know what they're talking about? And I was like, oh, or just, you know, just saying that they got five on. It. It's like a high five. You know what I mean? And he's like, no, that's not what they're talking about. And again, I, I couldn't have been in junior high yet. And uh, he said, they're talking about buying drugs. They're talking about specifically marijuana, weed. And I was like, okay. And he's like, do you know what that is? I'm like, no. He's like, have you ever tried it before? I'm like, no. He goes, well, if you're going to listen to this music, you need to know what they're talking about. And if you don't know, you need to ask me. And I was like, okay. And so I started asking my dad, you know, what's the strap? What's the this? We're watching New Jack City and we're watching Above the Rim. I'm like, what is that? And my dad would explain it to me. What's an eight ball? My dad would explain it to me, you know? So I, oh man, I had no idea these guys were talking about you know, selling. Do- I didn't know that. So bro, hold on. I got a quick funny story to add to this topic. Oh, go ahead, I was in college and that was when uh TI was slapping. Right. And he had that song top back. I like my beat down low, down mm-hmm. low. Right. So he taught one of the lines in there is uh, see me riding 24s with a chopper in the back. Yeah, bro. This goofy white girl, this goofy white girl from the Midwest is rapping this song one day in the cafeteria yeah. and I just stop her. And I'm like, do you even do you even know what you're talking about? And she's like, yeah, a chopper. And I'm like, yeah, okay, what what do you mean a chopper in the back? She's like, well, he's got a helicopter in the back of his car. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. I'm like, very important. Stop stop rapping that song. Stop rapping that song. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to take that. Just like oh, speaking man. of nostalgia, that brought it back to college. Yeah. Ti's banging this little white girl from who knows, probably Missouri's rapping it. And she thinks we're talking about helicopters in the back of a trunk of a car. Like, Oh girl, do some homework. All right, go ahead. It's, 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 but it's so important for you to understand because it brings you deeper to understanding that culture. You know, same thing when I listen to like country music, sometimes I would hear stuff. I'd be like, what is that? You know what I'm saying? I have no clue what it, and then somebody would explain it to me or I would just dig a little deeper and like, it's helping me to understand the culture and people who listen to country music, it helps me to identify with them. And then I find this thing that I've actually really, in, I, I don't listen to as much newer country music. I listen to a lot of old country music. Some of my favorite is like Front Porch Looking In, like Red Dirt Road, you know, some of those. So shout out Urban Dictionary. Yes, shout out yes. uh, Lyric Genius oh, or whatever. Straight, <laughs> straight up, straight up. Yeah, yeah. You know another one that was interesting, and a lot of you that hear this are gonna re- are gonna recognize, and maybe are learning for the first time. When Nelly blew up, those of us that understand the culture were like, "I cannot believe this song is on the radio." 
Melly is talking about he is coming down your street with a street sweeper. Listen, <laughs> this is not a piece of mechanical machine. Okay, a street a street sweeper is an assault style rifle, automatic. And he's talking, and this guy's on NBC, Good Morning America, <laughs> Street Sweeper. Street, and I'm like, yo, this can't be real. My, my, my mom was, yo, I'm not even going to get into the definition, but my mom, God rest her soul, was singing EI one day. And I said, mom, stop and don't ever <laughs> sing that song again. If you don't, If you don't know, you go look up the definition of what he's talking about in that song when he's talking about EI. All right, off that YouTube the music video, you'll see everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, "Mom, don't ever sing that again out loud." Um, so, as far as the cultural impact, you know, I think it was the conversation is it's a few things. One, the stereotype of white players not being athletic. So that was one, right? I think also it's opening up the conversation about that conversation or perception inside of black culture. What's funny is, you know, we go back to one of the greatest Celtics and players of all time, Larry Bird even said, and he played into the stereotype. Larry Bird said that I can't remember who they were playing. He said it was disrespectful for them to put a white. Charles Barkley was saying. Yeah, Charles Barkley. That he said, Charles Barkley was saying it when they were playing the Sixers. Go ahead, give us the quote. Give us the quote. <laughs> he said, man, you all are so disrespectful. And Charles said, Larry, I, I would never disrespect you. Like, you were one of the greatest all-time players. And Larry's like, nah, F that. Y'all are disrespecting me. And he's just – he's Chuck said he was just mad. And he couldn't figure out why he was mad. Then finally, Bird said, you put this white boy on me? That's disrespect. <laughs> He said there's only been two players, two players ever that he's ever heard brought up the race card. And it was Larry Bird and Michael Jordan. Those are the two that said, oh, y'all going to put a white boy on me? Oh, that's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. Yo, let me tell you, the fear that starts to set in when a white boy says in any sport, I heard in football too, when a white boy says like, nah, y'all are disrespecting me, putting a white guy on me, like y'all better put somebody else on me. It's like, <laughs> hold on. This either this guy is flagging or this guy is a stone cold killer. So um I think it brought up that side. And then I think it also brought up, you know, the conversations between, you know, black people and white people about how we go about the things in our culture or how we perceive the other culture versus what it actually is, or helping people to kind of see that it's not what you think that it is, you know, and I, I thought a lot of that was, was brought up in a very good conversation. I love the fact that they can have conversations and have disagreements and be able to come together and still, you know, reach a common goal. Cause that's kind of how I try to run all my friendships very upfront. I don't want you to have to, you know, hide some of who you are. I don't want you to, I want you to ask me questions. I don't think that we should always agree. And I want you to help me understand from your point of view. And I think that that's what it did for, you know, a, few different conversations in that movie. I'm going to tell you when I knew I made it as a white athlete, I was playing arena ball in Missouri and some of the guys that I played NAI ball with moved uh, some of the better guys moved into this league and they were playing. And I'll never forget. We're playing this, this team very close to a school that we played against 
that I had a, we'll just say I had a really good game. We'll, we'll save the whole story for another day, but I had a really good game against this team. And so we're in warmups and, you know, arena ball is really small. So like you can talk to each other in pregame and stuff like that. And all of a sudden I hear this big linebacker. Hey, Hey, number seven, number seven. I turned around. I'm like, what's up? And he was like, you played evangel. I said, yeah. Right away, he turned around. He said, hey, hey, that white boy's fast. Hey, y'all better stay with him. That white boy's fast. <laughs> that's when I knew. That's yeah. when I knew I had made it. And I had made my impact because your compliment. as much as as much as it, it hurts sometimes, in that moment, I knew I had made it because they knew who I was. They're like, oh, that, that's that number seven, that white boy. They, that white boy's fast. <laughs> so uh, there's nothing. There's no there's no better compliment, I think, than when your peers or your opponents speak to your talent level, you know what I'm saying? Like coming on to a sub in into a game. And when I sub in, it's one of two things either. Cause different leagues, I've kind of been different players. Like in Portugal, I wasn't a high flyer because just the way that that team played, it just didn't flow as well. But I was, I was more of a stretch four. So my job was to pull them out to let our big men do work. So in that league, I come in, they'd be like, hey, he shooter, you know, and then other leagues, I come in the game and they're like, hey, like box him out. He's a jumper. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yes, you're so, yeah. kind. you're so kind. Oh, man. Speaking of that, though, our next topic is the basketball in the film. Now, this is I really hope they hit on this. I touched on it earlier in this show. You know, I'm a little suspect of Jack Harlow being able to hoop. And make it look like he really knows what he's doing that as far as hooping. Not saying I'm perfect, but that man had a goofy looking shot a couple of years ago in that celebrity game. So I'm hoping, hoping that that jumper's been fixed. But I know that's a big thing in a lot of movies, right? Like you think about all the different sports movies, Coach Carter, think about Friday Night Lights, you think about all these different sports movies and how they portray the sport is very important. And that's where I'm going to give a shout out to my boy, Adam Sandler. You know, he does a lot of sports movies, whether it was golf with happy Gilmore, whether it was football with Waterboy. I mean, Waterboy was probably a little extreme from a sports standpoint. Still, still one of my favorites. He still kind of hits it on the head though. Like he's still, you know, it's still produced a good football product and a great golf product. And even, you know, with the basketball movie, that he just recently did uh hustle, I believe is what it was called that he did a great job portraying basketball in that movie. So that's going to be something my eyes are definitely going to be on as I go to watch this movie is how do they portray the basketball? Is it legit, man? I actually feel like these guys are playing ball or is it like, man, this is scripted. Cause I do feel like the first one crushed this. They did a great job of actually making it not look choreographed and that it was actually them playing ball. Uh, Marcus, you got any thoughts on that? I can't imagine it's very easy to do. Unless you're just like, all right, you guys play, and then we'll just take whatever clips we get out of you guys playing, and we'll make that in a movie. But I think that would be hard to do it that way too. So, what are your thoughts on what the what the basketball is going to look like in the film? I've got confidence that it's actually going to be very good, and and here's why. You know, I think they spoke about it, and I, I can't remember if it was six. I believe it was six a six week camp that they did because six months sounds way too long. I think they did a six week camp, and their whole thing was man. I think they said on a scale of like one to 10, they rated like Wesley Snipes of a four and uh, Woody was like rated like a two and a half. So even with that, they found ways. I didn't think that their play was suspect at all. And there were a couple things that they did specifically that they mentioned, like the scene where they're shooting, they keep, they keep shooting shots, you know, for the winner and they're trading shots, him and Woody. 
and they specifically showed all those shots leaving their hand, being in frame, and then going in with no change. That was a big thing to establish their skill set. Man, I think, you know, since, you know, movies like, you know, Friday Night Lights and Remember the Titans and um, what's the one with... um, I was down with the football in Remember the Titans to tell old buddy, I think it was the quarter. Which one? Bro, when the quarterback blasted like three dudes in a row when he was the lead blocker and he was just chipping the linebacker, then he chipped the DN, then he chipped a safety, like back to back to back. That's when they lost me, bro. I'm like, all right, come on now. My man ain't throwing blocks like that. The only, okay, here's, okay, I I respect that. I respect that. Here's the only reason. Here's the only reason I would disagree with you, and I'm gonna fight for sunshine. The one and only, the greatest, the greatest white boy to ever play in a sports movie. Sunshine, <laughs> sunshine. Hey, every white boy after that was trying to grow his hair long and look like sunshine. Don't even front, all right? And everybody's calling you sunshine, and you know it, all right? Trevor Lawrence, literally, he's never left. It never left him. Trevor Lawrence just adopted it. And he's went with it his whole entire football career. So only reason I'm going to combat that is I played quarterback, but I like to hit. And I and at that time I played in like – Bro, you didn't throw guy. three blocks in a row on a reverse. On a reverse. You did not no, throw no. three blocks in a row but on I a reverse. I have on more than one occasion blindsided a DN, flipped a DN, or taken on a DN and then a linebacker, but not in that aspect. I, but I But I – I wanted to play defense. I wanted to play safety and they would never let me play in practice or in games. But I used to sneak into all the defensive camps <laughs> and I would just to get in the hitting drills. Cause I wanted, I like to hit, but I agree with you. I, I agree with you. But, um, uh, yeah, man, that's just, I, I think that they'll do a good job with it. I just think the basketball culture now is so elevated, right? With like ball is life and with all these other, you know, quote unquote famous. But a lot accounts. of those guys have they, they've right. brought in. So I think they're going to do a good job of, of bringing the influence of the basketball culture into the movie. I'm sure they did their research a little bit as far as that topic and, and kind of what it's going to be. So, and I feel like the choreography has gotten a lot better too. You know what I yeah. mean? Cause there's, it's over the 10, you know, last 10, 20, 30 years. It's like the people that are doing that choreography and, I feel like they've just gotten that much better. If that's how good it was back then, y'all better not. Y'all better not take a step back, damn it. Right. So our next topic is the director's vision. So discussing, you know, different approaches as to how the remake and, and things like that. I think I, you know, we have neither of us have seen the movie once again, but I think I can tell by the previews that they tried to keep it very similar as far as the tone, as far as the way it's shot. And things like that. And I, and I think that's one of the parts that made it the iconic movie that it is, is it felt like you were just on the court with these guys watching it and being a part of everything that was going on. Uh, do you have any thoughts around potentially what the directors are going to do differently uh, between the two movies? I think they'll try to immerse you more in some of the gameplay, probably just showing some of the different angles. Now they've got, you know, so many different types of cameras that they can use and, you know, cameras that can be on the backboard and I think that they'll use that to showcase the you know full 360 degree view of the action that's happening on the court I'm hoping that they show a little bit more of the complex side of basketball like think like um you know NBA style like entry passes into offense if you watch NBA stuff it's really like just based off of where a ball is passed in and most times it's misdirection to come back around I'm hoping that they do some of that because if you show the movement and not just 
you know, the movement away from and to come to the ball and not just, I've got the ball, I'm doing a crossover. Oh, look at me throwing a lob. I think that's kind of played out. That's more like the A and one style, like Nick Cannon movies that are meant to be, you know, in that. I'd, I'd love to see them dive more into the technical side of basketball using some of the terminology to show the advancement in the movie as well, um, you know, from the last one. But I, yeah, I I hope it's just a little bit more up close and personal and I hope the trash talk can keep up because that's, if the trash talk is a was a huge street ball culture is based on trash talk. I remember watching my dad and my uncle play on the beach in Port Charlotte, Florida, and they were they were monsters, just dunking everything. Everybody in my family's big, you know. <laughs> so I just remember being in awe, like six, seven years old, watching my dad play. The beach is behind us, and I'm like, "Is my dad arguing with? Are they gonna fight? You know what I mean?" And this is just how they, and it, you know what I mean? So I, I am interested to see how they do it, but I, I, I just have confidence. I think they'll do a good job. I think they'll, they won't let us. And we touched on it with the Creed movie when they were doing the slow-mo clips and uh, some of the, the action shots, they really brought you into the mindset of the fighter and like what he sees and what he feels. And I loved that touch point in Creed three, as far as, you know, they showed the guy swinging and how he could see the guy swinging and how he avoided it. And then the little details you would see in those split seconds. I think they could really do some cool stuff with basketball if they try to go that route as well. I love everything you touched on there. All right. So last one here is expectations and anticipation. We touched on it just quickly, but now we could dive a little bit more into that. You know, I think from hopes and concerns standpoint, for me, the hope is that this is an entertaining movie. I hope that they bring that good feeling back of the nostalgia. I, I hope it's good basketball. I hope it's good trash talking, all the stuff that we've touched on. My concern is, are they going to try too hard? Are they going to reach in too many aspects of it? Are they going to, are they going to wear out the fact that Jack Harlow's white? Are they going to wear out the fact that, you know, he's not from the hood or, you know, all the different routes that they could potentially go. Another concern, are they going to throw, weird plot points in there that don't really have anything to do with the movie, but they have to do more with like the cultural climate we're currently in, whether it's, you know, (laughs) presidential type stuff or gender stuff. There's just a lot of unfortunate directions that they can sometimes go. Those are sometimes my concerns with these new movies as they come out because they try to please everybody instead of just staying true to what the movie's about. Um, Do you have any hopes or concerns as far as this movie goes specifically? Yeah. You know, I'll echoes, you know, some of the sentiment that you mentioned, you know, I'm kind of mentioned already the you know, the trash talk, you know, is it going to be able to keep up? You know, are they going to, you know, my hopes, for example, are, hey, are they going to be able to plant a couple seeds that we can that can come to fruition later? You know, are they going to be able to hide? You know, one of the things I think we love about Marvel, again, you know, big Marvel fans is when something five years later you find out is linked to something very minute in the movie you know like when i found out that the scepter that loki had like where that came from and how that connected to captain america i was like this is what we're doing you know so i hope that they can you know do something like that planting a seed that can pay off later and then you know again if i'm gonna go back to creed which big fan of 
I love the opening of the universe for the women's side. And if you haven't listened to the ladies first episode where we talk about women's sports, specifically NCAA, WNBA, and the benefits of that and how we need to support women's athletics and sports and ventures in general, I'm hoping that they can go kind of creedish with that. Bringing in female boxing trainers, you know, showing young girls that you can be strong and you can be a part of helping a large, big, bigger, stronger man reach his goal, even as a woman who may not be seen in that same physical stature, as well as the inspiration of his daughter now wanting to be like her father and be a fighter and opening up the opportunity for more women's boxing movies and women's uh, combat sports movies. So are they going to be able to, to do that? You know? And I think they picked the perfect time to release this movie. You know, if you look at the impact of their marketing and their promotional material, we got the NBA playoffs going on right now. And so no there's really time. no better time to release a, a basketball movie as everybody's kind of at the pinnacle of basketball content right now, as far as taking that in and wanting more as far as the basketball side goes. So I thought they they did a good job presenting the movie. The The trailer looked great. I, it definitely kept me intrigued. And I'm like, oh, this, this actually might be pretty dope. I did talk to some buddies, though, that were like, man, it's going to be so whack. Why did they do it this way? Don't touch that movie, blah, 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 blah. Why? Did you see anything in the marketing or the promotional material that either turned you on or off towards the movie? No, you know, and again, I, I, I'm going to just say, I, I think people like that are so weird. I think they're so weird. You're living in like this fear-based state of why'd they mess it up? It was a good thing. Just don't mess with a good thing. Like, why can't we want to to share it more? If you thought it was such a good thing, then how cool would it be if that good thing can be shared with people who have no idea about it? You know, it's like when people find out about, you know, older artists or, you know, people from, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, even just like in the early 2000s and they're getting reintroduced to it. They get to have that same feeling when they first hear SWV that you did, you know, they get to, to now do that research and learn about T-Boz and Chili and, you know, TLC, you know, so why not? You know, what's the harm? What's the harm in that? I think that they're going to do just fine with it. You know, in the promotions and stuff, I, I thought they did a good job. Again, you know, look, it's a Hulu movie. You know, this isn't a, a full, you know, theatrical release where we're going to movies and putting all that. I think they're super smart with leveraging the social media marketing. I think it's going to be a lot of personalities from the street basketball culture, the online community. I expect to see a lot of cameos. Hopefully there's a couple other guys that I know, but yeah, I, I, I liked what they did, man. I'm excited for it. Hey, shout out to my boy, Blake Griffin. He made the uh, IMDB page, so he's going to show up at some point. Boston Celtics, full circle, baby. We're bringing them back in. I just can't help myself. No, Marcus, I don't want to talk about the game, so we're not going to talk about the game. We're, we're going to save that no. for next week's episodes when the tide is turned and, oh, and we're feeling a little better about where we're currently at. So... In Blake All right, trust. y'all, final thoughts. Go check out the movie. Let us know what you think. Is it a yay? Is it a nay? Be sure to join us next week as we continue to dive into the grateful eight topics, sports, family, culture, business, entertainment, relationships, growth, and fitness. We love y'all, and we will see y'all next week. Thanks for joining us today. 